0: everyone, welcome back to Invested, where we talk about wealth as being more than just money. Our partners Paul Rand, Joel Rand, and Sarah Minikari will bring in guests and industry thought leaders to chat about meaningful topics on personal finances, health and wellness, ideas for your business, tax planning, and other key issues that impact our lives and our livelihood. So thank you for joining us, and we hope you find our discussions not only practical and educational, but maybe sometimes a little thought-provoking. With that, let's get to the episode. On today's episode of Invested, I am very excited to speak with Gabe Rissman, co-founder and president of Your Stake. Your Stake is an analytical and reporting tool for advisors like the Rand Group that helps us analyze various factors of a portfolio in regards to environmental, social, and corporate governance issues, otherwise known as ESG. On today's episode, I speak with Gabe about how to help clients clarify what they would most like to see reflected in their portfolio and making client portfolios match their values and some of the trends in sustainable investing. Prior to founding Your Stake, Gabe co-founded Real Impact Tracker, which published an open source methodology for scoring the ESG impact of asset managers. He has also published academic papers on ESG investing and held positions at Rockefeller and Company and the Connecticut Green Bank. Gabe holds a BS in computational astrophysics from Yale, where he also led Yale's fossil fuel development movement and student managed socially responsible investing fund. So with that, Let's get to our interview with Gabe Brisman from Your Stake. So hello and welcome back to Invested. Uh, very excited to have Gabe Brisman, co-founder of the software platform, Your Stake. Gabe, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks so much, Paul. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, so uh, we talked a little bit in the intro about your bio, but if you don't mind, just give us a brief overview of Your Stake and what it is
1: and how it's used. Sure. And I'll start by kind of connecting it with my own story and why we decided to build it if, as well. Because I was going to so, grill you on that right after that. So, Oh, great. All right. <laughs> then I'll give a quick one there and you can ask some follow-up. So at, at, my background was as a student climate activist and researcher. So I was really passionate about understanding what actually is able to create impact in sustainable investing. In impact investing i know that's another one of the questions that i'll be talking about is what do we actually call all this stuff so i had a background working on climate campaigning around finances and working on integrating sustainable investing criteria into investment decisions looking at the public signaling impact of investors that are really part of a movement on sustainable investing and trying to understand what are the big challenges that are really keeping it from scale it's still it's growing really fast, but it's still a small minority of uh, of investors that are actually in investing in ESG solutions and sustainable investing solutions. Even though a huge majority, according to Morgan Stanley, according yeah. to a whole bunch of other places, want to align their investments with their values. Yeah. So what your stake does uh, the the simplest way to describe it is: What do you care about? How does your portfolio align with what you care about? How might you be able to Better align your investments with what you care about, and we're a tool for financial advisors to be able to help walk their clients through uh, through answering those questions in that. Direction.
0: Yeah. So, in full disclosure, we did start using your stake, so I, you know, I don't, I don't want anybody to, to, I want everybody to know that ahead of time. <laughs> so, and we've gone through the process, and we've and and just talking about the questionnaire, and I did notice there was just a recent update to the questionnaire, <laughs> and I think there's a super interesting story there. So, if you wouldn't mind touching on that for just for a sec on the development of that and how it works.
1: Sure. The questionnaire, what we recently released is we worked with a behavioral science research firm called DE Works. And a lot of times when we talk about a behavioral questionnaire with values, people are surprised. They say, well... Uh, Why do you have to ask a behavioral questionnaire? Why can't I just say I want to invest in climate change or I want to invest in animal welfare? That's
0: such an easy question, right? Why can't you just just put me in the good stuff?
1: Exactly. Put me in the good stuff. So many times people say, what's the best company for the world? Yeah, right. right. (laughs) Love that question, right? Easy question. Um, Yeah. And if there was an answer. That would be a different story right there's i think there is an answer there's a little bit of a tangent i'm sorry but there is an answer to which question is sometimes people say which question is the most esg yeah Uh, sorry which company is the most esg and uh, esg environmental social and governance factors ways to evaluate companies and i think there is an answer to which company is the most esg because the way i think of esg is the way that oftentimes esg is used in investment analysis which is what are the risks to a company of water stress? Right. What are the risks to a company of a crazy uh, high CEO pay ratio, right. where the CEO is getting paid way more reputational risks, uh, uh, morale than the company, whatever it may be? There is an answer to which company has the least amount of risk from environmental and social issues, but which company is the best for the world? Which company is the best company? I mean, that's according to who, right? Yeah. That some people, uh, own guns and some people really are very anti-gun
0: yeah, and-, and that's I think for you know us advisors and for me particularly and you know we've been doing sustainable portfolios for a long time and you know other people have come to us and go, okay well you know how do you do it what do you run how does it go and I, you know it's it's a very individual question right mm-hmm. and so one of the challenges for us is when you sit down with someone, And you want to say, okay, do you want to align your values with your portfolio? Well, first, let's talk about what your values are and how do you sort of extract that from a potential client, right? Mm -hmm. And what's important to you? A, what is important to you? And then B, how important is that to you? And not only how passionate are you about that one cause, but how passionate are you about that relative to other potential things? Because it may be a decision in there, right?
1: That's totally right. And I really want to get into the trade-offs that exist because they are real. And some people shy away from them and other people lean into them, but I'm I'm glad you brought that up. So behavioral questionnaire, uh, yes, there's people care about very different things. It's really important to capture values because there's no one-size-fits-all ESG or sustainability. Yeah. And uh, there are kind of two approaches that people have taken. One is we'll just have an open-ended conversation. And that does work. But a lot of times what we've found is advisors don't always ask the right probing questions. And sometimes you miss things and yep. you don't have a standardized process. And sometimes the clients are shy and they don't share everything. And there are certain things that really matter. And, and you don't always get that out of a conversation. Well, so, and,
0: and having looked at tons and tons of sample questionnaires and, and different approaches to it and, and doing the research on it, you know, one of the risks of, some, of giving someone a questionnaire is Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to check all the boxes yes. because I don't, you know, I don't want to either a, a, it's, I think it's a, it should be important, mm-hmm. right? Or B, I don't want you to know that it's not that important to me. And that yep. again, getting back into that relatively, well, how, how relativity, how, how important is that relative to other things?
1: That's exactly right. So the, the one option is not having a tool. Another option is having a check the box tool and I could do not I I won't name names but yeah. there was a <laughs> a box to check of I want to invest in ethical companies and yeah. it's really hard for someone to not check that box and not feel like oh, they're <laughs> right. a horrible person right like yeah. it, and that's that is obviously an extreme example but that's what we've seen is a lot of times with these menus either one you're not getting enough granularity or yeah. two it's it's going to be something that is really hard to not check every box and a lot of times you you don't get everything or can be overwhelming because you've you have 500 things they have to check off and, and go through and
0: yeah and you know, you know, one of the examples i use for clients when i'm trying to phrase this for them mm-hmm. is you know a lot of clients may say oh hey i want you know a carbon-free portfolio or mm-hmm. you know and you say okay well just so you know you have a carbon-free portfolio and oil goes up to oh, i don't know 120 dollars a barrel where it's at right now yep. your portfolio is going to perform differently and then when we start phrasing it in terms of, OK, you know, you don't want you, you would prefer not to have an oil and gas company in your portfolio. But what if that oil and gas company has the best safety records of, of all the oil and gas? Com- or mm-hmm. what if this oil and gas company is making the fastest transition to renewable energies than others? You know, there's yep. so, there's so many other sub questions that can go in there.
1: I mean, and the first thing that came up to my mind, even before you mentioned all that, which is great, is what what would you mean by carbon-free? Yeah. And <laughs> that could, that, you could go, I mean... Don't get me started. Well, we'll talk a little have bit about a million cutoff stuff. points there, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So so when someone says they want a carbon-free portfolio, I'm actually just curious, what, <laughs> do you say hold your horses or what, yeah. what do you do when someone says that?
0: Well, I, yes, hold your horses. But, you know, again, for us, you have to kind of walk through, all right, well, where is this person on the education scale of this mm-hmm. whole realm of stuff right mm-hmm. and there's and we could you know there are a, myri- a, a myriad of different side trails we can go off on conversation of which i was kind of afraid of but just talking about carbon offsets and how valid are those carbon offsets which i know there's you know there's a whole bunch of stuff i'm sure you could talk about yeah with that and with a lot of companies today talking about you know some of the the pledges they've made to be carbon neutral by x date well in many cases they're counting on being carbon neutral by incorporating technologies that may not even have been invented yet yep. and and we're counting on that so you got to yes roll up your sleeves and figure out alright well, well what do you mean by that
1: love that yeah hold your horses is probably the wrong phrase it's let's yeah. di- let's dive in yeah. right let's let's explore that let's let's go in and uh, I love the uh, carbon offsets and I love the uh, what you're saying about the need to look at these targets and see what they're relying on. Also, a lot of times they're relying on people doing work long after the people setting the targets have left the company. So yeah, right. that's, a, that's another one that's fun. Um, but now there are more and more short-term targets. There's always skepticism met with well, people are doing something about it. Uh, so I, I am very encouraged generally by the state of how things are progressing in terms of more and more rigor on holding companies accountable to these commitments.
0: And, and I do, I for sure want to touch on that too. And, and, you know, we're you know, having dealt with this for a while, we're throwing around some terms of, you know, ESG, which I think quite a few people are, are familiar with, right? The, the environmental, the, sh- the social and the governance aspect of that, and even figuring out, well, which one of those broad, very broad categories is most meaningful to you as an individual, right? Are you, more concerned about environmental issues? Are you more concerned about the the social issues, mm-hmm. or are you concerned, like you mentioned, you know, co- executive compensation and how does that go into corporate governance, or shareholder advocacy, or you know, all of those things? But that's that's just ESG, and, and just talking about ESG, and you know, there are a lot of terms that are thrown around, including ESG. SRI and even is SRI socially responsible investing? Is it sustainable and responsible investing? <laughs> and or are you talking about impact investing and value-based investing? So kind of how do you guys deal or how do you deal with that terminology and sort of parse that out so that you can make it make sense?
1: That is such a fantastic question. Um, I would say that we are currently in the process and we used to have ESG as the terminology that we use throughout yeah. our website. And I think there's only a couple last traces of VSG on the website, because what we're realizing is, uh, the term that we prefer is values based or values aligned investing. Um, the reason why is that, well, first let's, let's start with the SRI and and kind of the history of how these terms came up. So socially responsible investing SRI, that is something that, uh, has been around since i don't know depending on who you ask it could be the 1600s it could be earlier but i think the the modern history of where most most of what things look like today started in probably the 1960s with the south african apartheid divestment movement led a lot of times by faith-based religious organizations and and some pretty awesome nuns and they uh they were the beginning of sri as it's now known, which is a lot of times exclusion based. We want to avoid investing in companies yep. in apartheid South Africa. It uh, morphed into we want to avoid tobacco companies, pornography, alcohol, gambling. So that is oftentimes what SRI meant. And then in probably the 2010s, the term ESG started becoming really popular. And what ESG was, and I kind of previewed this a little bit before, what are all of the factors that we're not looking at as investors? We're looking at I don't know uh plenty of profitability we're looking at uh returns we're looking at all these different things but we're not always looking at environmental footprint we're not always looking at these things that more and more evidence and research is proving that they are risk factors that have impacts on financial performance so esg in its purest form i think is really what are the risk factors that impact a company that are tied to social and environmental and governance issues
0: yeah. And I um, think, you know, that's another topic that we try and drive home with with people that we're talking to is, you know, looking at ESG or looking at sustainability or, you know, however you want to name it or call it is not necessarily mean, hey, everyone's got to be the tree hugging, Tesla driving, uh, you know, no no energy in my portfolio. it's It's really, hey, what's, you know, what's important to you? And, and how do how do we measure that? And then but using those some of those metrics and really getting into that and exposing, you know, hey, if we're not paying attention to it, if you're, if you're uh, not paying attention as a corporation, right, Mm -hmm. if you're not paying attention to the environment, Mm-hmm. If you're not taking paying attention to the social aspects and supply chains and where are you getting your materials from, if you're not mm-hmm. paying attention to corporate governance and hey, are, are my shareholders, do they have the rights to vote on the stuff that they should be voting on? You're yep. probably not sustainable. And those companies that aren't paying attention to that stuff are probably at a greater risk. Mm-hmm. And those companies that are paying attention to that stuff probably have a potential for to outperform. Yeah. Right? Now that may take quite a while, right but, but those it's, it's, so it's a risk reward measurement as well, which kind of begs the question you know and, and in some of the discussion groups, when does sustainable investing just become investing mm-hmm. right instead of its own separate you know category. But anyway, I, I, I got off on a tangent there and you were talking about.
1: it's so important. and there's there's so many resources that are out there and, and academic research showing that correlation. And I think it makes logical sense, too. And you you brought up that really good point, where are the secular trends going? Yeah. Uh, what, what are things looking like?
0: And, uh, and, and that you mentioned it being around for such a long time. Hey, the idea of our companies being run well and taking all the risk factors in consideration, that is not a new concept, right? That's been around for a really long time. It's mm-hmm. just now some terminology has been thrown around and some different metrics.
1: True. And with that terminology, I think, a lot of people saw ESG and decided to use that term to mean whatever they wanted it to mean. (laughs) So that's why we used ESG to start with, is we were like, hey, people looking for something are going to be looking for ESG. And what we realized is we were just contributing to confusion because sometimes people are using ESG to mean exactly that risk reduction for for the uh, risk factors and looking at opportunities for financial performance in these areas that were not always being considered. But other people, when they say ESG, they mean, I don't want to invest in companies that I think are bad. And I want to invest in companies that I think are good from a moral and ethical standpoint. Yeah. And I think other people are thinking about ESG as a way of engaging with companies and using your voice as a shareholder. So uh, there's a lot of ways that people are using the, t- the terminology ESG, and it's leading to a lot of confusion. And there's a lot of regulatory and client pushback and demand for clarification. And I am very optimistic that that will come and be really positive for the field. So the reason why we use the term values-based investing is what we've seen the most demand for and what most people care about is, this is how I am, this is how I live, this is how I make my purchasing decisions. I also want my investments to reflect my values. So that is oftentimes what... What people are looking for when they want to use a tool like your stake.
0: Yeah. And so one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, you know, going back to the ESG metrics and there are a plethora of ways to get data on ESG scores. Lots of companies that are offering, you know, whether it's MSCI or Sustainalytics or, you know, several several different others. Mm and they produce both a scoring system they also produce raw data and so when we're going through and talking to managers and saying well how are you managing it? sustainable managers how are you managing it? where are you getting your data from is it your own are you doing you know so but you're not using that data specifically can you talk a little bit about the data you use how you get to it so you're taking a little bit of a different approach to it
1: sure so that actually will get a little bit more into my own personal background i was uh, climate activist plus computational astrophysicist. And of course really dove into, <laughs> yeah, well, actually the, one of the, one of the first people that we hired was another computational astrophysicist who also on her, on her spare time, uh, when she wasn't busy doing computational astrophysics was putting together data visualizations for toxic air pollution in New York city boroughs. Um, so That's that, those are the people that we like to hire and bring out the team. So uh, I love Anna so much and um, yeah, so, What we do is we it's funny how how very similar galaxy formation data sets are to ESG data sets, where there's you know, I
0: was just thinking that the other day. Right?
1: (laughs) The perfect analogy.
0: (laughs) I I I was just trying to figure out how to work that into my discussion of sustainable. Let's talk about galaxy formation.
1: Well, now you know uh, where to find your next uh, set of clients and right, all the technical exactly. astrophysics departments <laughs> <laughs> and offer a presentation on ESG and kind okay, you, so you, you,
0: you have to tie that in for me. You gotta, I, I have to figure that out. I mean, you have to explain it to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of data that's available, but there's a lot of messiness and there's a lot of holes and there's a lot of basically working with giant data sets that you need to do to be able to put things together, clean it, tie it to the right entity and yeah. make it meaningful as well. That's probably the, the biggest thing that I think our value add as a company is. Uh, there's, a, there's an advisor that once said, financial advisors can have all the data in the world that does not help them tell the story yeah. of, of values-based yeah, sure. investing. So what we try to do is we pull in all this data from over a hundred different sources, plenty of data gaps, we match it all in the right place. And we also try to pull in all of the context and the stories that go with it. So for example, on your stake, you'll be able to see the toxic air pollution in your portfolio. You'll be able to get context by comparing it to a benchmark, maybe the S&P 500, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, But what we really do and and go a lot further is not only will you see the toxic air pollution, but you'll be able to see all of the facilities of the companies that are releasing the toxic air pollution, where they're located, what their main activities are how much they're releasing and which toxic chemicals are involved and we've had people that say oh my god i drive home by that factory on my way home from work and it, and it makes it more understandable to know what's going on and then furthermore in addition to the context of here's your toxic air pollution here's what chemicals there are we also then do the research and and pull in the sources and and the literature to convert that amount of toxic air pollution into the equivalent number of asthma attacks for example so we, uh, I, sh- I should have pulled it up on, on here, but it's a pretty long chain of how much uh, asthma attacks are caused by toxic air pollution, how much toxic air pollution comes from corporate emissions, what are the different toxicity factors and, and where are the population centers, but basically pulling that all together to make it a, a more meaningful thing. So that's what our general process is. We are taking publicly available data. Uh, Because we always want to have a trace back to the underlying source link. Mm -hmm. We're avoiding voluntary company reporting because greenwashing is a term that we'll get to soon. We want to make sure that we are pulling from trusted sources and trusted reporting, uh, either third parties or mandatory disclosures. And then we're taking all this and making it comparable, pulling it into the system, and then tying it to your portfolio to be able to uh, present all this data.
0: Wow. Okay. So you have a, a, a customized behavior-based questionnaire and then you pull in this data and then can you talk, just tying the two together? Sure. Not that yeah, that's, that's an it. easy question. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so that one. So we have mapped. So, yeah, I guess we didn't finish up fully the questionnaire standpoint. So we said, what well, was a problem with existing questionnaires? And when we worked with this behavioral science research firm, what we did was we looked at the academic literature where uh, surveys had been conducted on hundreds of people or thousands in some cases. What are the best questions that relate to someone's moral values? So, if you want a high correlation of the answer to someone's questions and their beliefs on a particular issue, those are the types of questions that we pulled into our questionnaire. Uh, we also wanted to make them non judgmental because there is no such thing as a right or wrong answer for right. these questions is what do you care about? And then what we do is based on the way that you answer the questions, we are able to prioritize these are the issues that matter most, here are the ones that pass a certain threshold of how much you care. And then we map those issues, uh, those those questionnaire questions and responses to particular data points. So for example, if you uh, go out of your way to reduce your environmental footprint, and you believe that society should take urgent action to avoid environmental catastrophe, then you might be really interested in your greenhouse gas emissions and your toxic air pollution and your fossil fuel exposure in your portfolio. So we map the responses to the questions to data points and then our issue areas, focus areas, values areas. And then we pull in the data to be able to say, here's what you care about. Here's what the data is on the issues that you care about. Here's your portfolio so that we can assess your portfolio on the issues that you care about and see what's going on. Right, cool. Very cool.
0: And then, you know, I think one of the things I just wanted to touch on are the approaches to um, portfolio management. So, we, you know, you talk to a client and then you, we, we extract, hey, here are the hours. Now we have a good idea of this is what's important to me. This is how important that is to me. And now there are different ways of approaching that. Right. And so as a portfolio manager, we can use negative screening. We can say, all right, I want to take out you know, this in stocks, or we can, we can, and, or we can just talk about the impact of divestment and how does that work? So can you just briefly walk us through what are some of the differences between negative screening and divestment and impact investing and, and how do you, how do you look at those things?
1: Sure. So I think we already covered ESG and and socially responsible investing. There's probably hundreds of other terms and new ones coming out each day. So there's faith-based investing, there's ethical investing, there's impact investing, there's sustainable investing, there's negative screening, there's positive screening. I I think the simplest way to categorize it would be in uh, probably smaller buckets. And a lot of times these terms overlap with each other. Mm -hmm. So if you have values and you want to apply those values to your portfolio, one approach is negative screening, like you described. So that is, I don't want to invest in these companies. Let's take them out of my portfolio. So that's one option. Another corollary is positive screening. I'm really passionate about clean energy. I want to invest in these clean energy companies that are producing solar panels or driving the uh, electric vehicle transition or whatever it may be. Now, there's another approach, which is ESG integration, and that can take a couple different forms. So you're talking before about uh, oil and gas companies. What are the best ones for worker safety and which ones are driving the transition to a clean economy? That is one form of ESG integration is best in class. So we're going to look at all these different sectors. We're going to look at companies, create a diversified portfolio across market caps, across sector, whatever it may be. And we are going to take the best companies in each sector and use those uh, to create our portfolio. And then there are others that might do overweights or underweights based on sector. So, hey, I care about ESG and I climate change is my thing. We'll just keep going with that example. Maybe you underweight energy and you overweight uh, other other areas that are going to be driving solutions. Uh, so it's not always positive inclusion or, or exclusion. Uh, you can change around the weightings and do an integrated approach. And then the last thing is just some investors are taking thematic or using ESG in this case, I think is the right term, ESG factors to see which companies are best positioned mm-hmm. to drive solutions and then uh, actually have really good potential to be able to create, uh, take advantage of opportunities within environmental, social and governance. So quick summary, you've got negative screening, get rid of companies, add companies in with positive screening, and then there's a overweight, underweight balancing uh, and analysis, which is ESG integration is probably the encompassing term there. Yeah, great. And I probably missed stuff, actually. I'd love to hear if that's how you're thinking about things, too.
0: So... Um, yes, uh, all sort of all of the above. It's um, you know when we talk about and other advisors will ask well how do you, how do we approach the whole um, aspect of it? And one of the things is looking for a tool to help us help communicate with the client. What is what is, what are your values? How important are they? Because most of it truly, I've never found a, a questionnaire yet that does that. And you know we're not we always have questionnaires in our industry. And, and even for financial planning, which and we are a financial driven financial planning driven practice, you can't just hand I mean there are those that do, but in my opinion, you can't just hand somebody a, a questionnaire and then they fill out the questionnaire and then you get it back, and then you put the input in, and then you come back with a financial <laughs> plan. There are just there are just so many questions and follow-up questions and getting into what are the meanings and why is this important to you and why do you want to get there? And I find that the exact same thing when it comes to values based investing and mm-hmm. you know and i like to use the term sustainable investing for a couple of reasons one is you know there aren't that many non financial industry people that have heard of esg so when you bring up esg that doesn't you know necessarily ring with them sustainability does mm-hmm. right i think and most people that are interested in this that they understand that that term of sustainability. And especially when you explain, okay, hey, if we're going for those different silos, and if you don't treat the environment well, or people well, or or your shareholders well, you're probably not sustainable. And they, and they get that, I think that that translates well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we get into that, it's a matter of You know, realistically, we have to walk them through. Okay, now that we know what's important to you and and how important it is to you, and where you're you may or may not be willing to make some sacrifices, and we get it back into okay. Well, do you want the carbon pre portfolio or or what have you? Mm -hmm. um, uh, Then you can say, okay, well, based on the assets that you're willing to contribute to this portfolio that's going to also determine how we can make that approach, right? Because at certain asset levels, uh, we can't get that finite on certain topics, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a very large asset level, then that's a little bit easier, right? But And then so the, the level of assets committed to the, to the strategy is going to also determine how exacting can we get with this, uh, mm-hmm. if, that, if that makes sense
1: it makes a lot of sense. I also I personally like sustainable investing. I probably use that term without thinking about it even during this uh <laughs> this session just now. Uh, that makes a lot of sense.
0: But, you know, and and you you mentioned greenwashing earlier and we and we talked about we were going to talk about that. And I think, you know, we've gone through several years now where uh, our industry has been slapping sustainable and ESG and lots of labels on lots of investment, you know, strategies and, Mm -hmm. and products. Uh, And, and one of our jobs as advisors is to get under the hood with investment managers and figure out, okay, uh, you know, what What's your methodology? How are you getting here? How serious are you about this? Are you just taking someone's else you know somebody else's data and just applying this? Are you using negative screening and that's it? or are you making you know what what are you incorporating? Mm-hmm. But you know a lot of companies, like I was saying, were worrying more about from a marketing standpoint, how do we make this look than they were from a strategy and and results standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so I see that as one of one of our jobs, but that kind of all falls under the category of what's called greenwashing, which is someone saying we're doing a bunch of stuff and they're not really, or they're not doing it well, or they're not doing what they say they're going to do. And mm-hmm. I think from a regular a regulatory standpoint, that's certainly a hot topic right now. And I know you do a lot of research on that and a lot of reading on that. And maybe, maybe you can touch on that a little
1: bit. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, and just as an additional motivator, there were, I think, four papers that came out from really big institutions, including Schroeder's Capital Group in mm-hmm. 2021. For the entire history of sustainable investing, I'll, I'll stick with your term for the rest of this. <laughs> yeah, <that's okay. laughs> for the entire history of sustainable investing, the biggest concern for investors was financial performance. Yep. Am I going to lose returns? In 2021, that changed. In 2021, the biggest concern among investors was greenwashing and, and poor data quality. The biggest concern was, are people saying that they're doing this stuff and not actually doing it? So that was really incredible to me to be able to see that. I didn't think it would happen so fast. And it was it reflected what I've seen. But I, uh, it, it's nice to know that it's not just a small silo, that people really care about this stuff. Yeah. And they're asking more detailed questions. So I love that you're asking the fund managers that you're trying to work with, what is their methodology and how do they prove what they're doing? Because just looking at a name doesn't do the trick. And that's the easiest thing to do, right? If right. something's called the Save the World Climate <laughs> Fund, that oh man, that looks pretty compelling. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> but when you look at it and it's uh, it doesn't have such a great thing to back it up, That's that's all too common. So I am very... I think that greenwashing can be the most detrimental thing to the whole movement of creating impact through investing, uh, through sustainable investing. And I'm very excited to see a bit of a speed bump where now there's regulatory and client demand of, hey, you're saying all this stuff, now prove it. And unfortunately, we are seeing some examples of, uh, of greenwashing being real, where there have been recent enforcement actions of fund managers that say that they are applying an esg score to all of their investments they're evaluating and and that just was not the case when the record keeping was looked at so a big reason why your stake was created i think i mentioned uh, personalization and transparency and explainability Mm -hmm. that transparency side we really want to fight and combat greenwashing and for us on your stake it doesn't matter what the name of the fund is called. <laughs> it really doesn't right. matter. We're, we're looking at the actual actions and not the, the words. And we help uh, advisors and clients to be able to see what's going on there. Um, so I, I'm really glad to see the attention being paid to greenwashing, how much people care, and and more and more uh, action as a result of this attention where fund managers are and companies are going to have to be better at proving what they're actually doing.
0: Well, and, and that's, you know, an, still yet another side alley we could go down, but mm-hmm. you know, just talking about how the strategy of paying attention to this as a risk or reward metric and how there are managers that have done this for a very long time. There are some very ESG strong or sustainable portfolio managers that have been around for a long time. That don't have that in the name of their title, right? In the in the name of their fund or in their yep. strategy, they have they haven't put that in there. They've just been doing it for a really long time. And when you look at the methodology and you get in, and like I said, get under the hood, you find out, wow, they've been really looking at this data for a really long time, and they're good at it. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not the the green fund or the you know this or in your example the save the world fund.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really true. And what we look at, so we do. We're about to release uh, an ESG mandate feature where you can find funds that are saying they're being intentional about this. And I always say take that with a grain of salt, right? Right. But one of the other things that we do is we provide information on proxy voting and shareholder engagement, and in our opinion, that is what can give a really good sense of a fund's commitment level to ESG issues. Is if they are focused on gender equality in their investment selection, are they going to support female di- or, or women directors yeah uh, are they going to support resolutions calling for uh diversity improvements if you're a, a climate focused fund are you going to vote in support of or against setting greenhouse gas reduction targets and you'd be amazed with the amount of mismatch there so that's something that we see as a really no, good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well about you i guess maybe some of the audience <laughs> No, no, no. no they're but... equally skeptical and yeah. uh <laughs> yeah that yeah, the, it wouldn't anymore. That's very true. But that's something I was amazed by uh, a while back, and not anymore. That there's a, a huge dispersion between the stated goals and the actual resources that are being devoted to to these issue areas. Yeah,
0: and and I don't want to keep you all day. I, I could, and we could go on for this forever. But I do want to talk a little bit about your thoughts on where we are on a regulatory and reporting standpoint, um, and you know I know there are some cities around the country that have made some some changes in in their requirements for how their money is allocated and the amount of and the kind of companies that they work with. but you know just from a, a sort of a global standpoint, how are we doing in the us as far as this is concerned in 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 requiring companies that I know this is it's not easy to do right and 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 it's not a switch we're going to flip and it's all of a sudden, You know, because hey, it's expensive to collect some of this data, and it's not that easy just to start doing it. But where are where is the U.S. relative to other areas? Like, how are we doing versus Europe? How are we doing versus Asia? And you know, where do you sort of see all of this going?
1: That is such a fantastic question. Uh, It really is, and I think this is a great time. I'm very lucky. It's a really good time to be a data provider, a data collector, because. (laughs) There's so much new data coming out all the time and there's really innovative uh, ways to create new things with data. And it's not even coming out with new data, but we are trying to do fun things with the existing data to derive new insights. So for example, uh, if you want to look at the companies in your portfolio and how they're donating to legislators and whether those legislators get good grades or poor grades from the NAACP, That's a new piece of insight that the data was, the information was there and we're combining it together to be able to uh, provide insights about corporate political donations to legislators and, and how they're ranked on not just NAACP issues, but think of anything. It could really be any political issue and then you can see how you're aligned. So there is new data being disclosed, but also new ways of combining things all the time to be able to produce new information and new insights and new context. Uh, but what's really cool is the there are new government sources, mostly in Europe and the U.S. that I'm familiar with. There is more and more happening in Asia, too. Apparently, ESG is super hot in Asia. We do know less about that. So I, I'll, I'll speak more about the U.S. and Europe for now. Uh, but in the U.S. and Europe, there's more regulatory action that requires companies to disclose particular issues or at least strategies or at least some baseline where, where you can have comparison along mandatory, uh, consistent, comparable data. I don't think that will ever be pushing the frontier. I think it'll be a great baseline. But what is is equally exciting to me as the increase in regulatory requirements and the increasing company mandatory disclosure is the increase in nonprofit and academic institutions Mm -hmm. that are conducting analysis and creating new data points that are more pushing the frontiers of sustainability data so i think the regulatory is is not often going to be pushing frontiers although it kind of is now a little bit so maybe i should uh but it's it's mostly going to be what is the baseline least common denominator factors that everyone needs to know Uh, but i love to see more and more institutions coming out and making data publicly available to be able to provide insight and uh data analysis uh on on companies that can move so much faster than regulatory change
0: awesome gabe i could keep going for a long time but i i know i thank you for i've I've used already too much of your time
1: (laughs) i really loved this conversation
0: (laughs) yeah it was fun again we'll, we'll have to do another one i'd be in all right great well thanks for joining us i appreciate it thanks for all your time and um and
1: we'll we'll
0: schedule another time to go through this again
1: You too. And I'd love to have you on my podcast as well. (laughs) should be fun.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. We'll do it. Cool. Thanks. So that's our episode for today. Thank you for listening. If you found this topic interesting or useful, please let us know. Or if there are other topics you'd like us to address, let us know that too. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us. And thanks for being invested.
2: The RAND Group is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with High Tower Advisors LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Some investment professionals may also be registered with High Tower Securities LLC, member FINRA, and SIPC. Advisory services are offered through High Tower Advisors LLC. Securities are offered through High Tower Securities LLC. This is not offered to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other data information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. The Rand Group and Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties express or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for the statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of this information. The Rand Group and Hightower Advisors LLC assume no liability for any action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced in the document. Such data and other information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the author and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.